This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. Today we're reading from Genesis chapter number 20, and I want you to see verses 2 and 3 in particular. Genesis 20 verses 2 and 3 read, Abraham said about his wife Sarah, she is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar had Sarah brought to him. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, you are about to die because of the woman that you have taken. For she is a married woman. This is the second time where Abraham lies about Sarah being his sister. The first time was in Genesis chapter 12, verse 13. Right on the heels of God's grand covenant with him to make of him a great nation through his seed with Sarah. It's a generational sin that his soon-to-be son Isaac will engage in as well. That's found in Genesis chapter 26, verse 7. What is so incredibly ironic is that this lapse in Abraham's faith occurs on the heels of God going to great lengths to confirm his covenant promise. In chapter 12, God first dramatically comes to Abraham with fantastic promises about land and offspring and many nations. The covenant includes blessings for those who bless and cursings upon those who curse Abraham. Yet, right on the heels of these incredible promises, Abraham is starving for food in Egypt, and so he's consequently lying about his wife being his sister so that he will not be killed. See, his fear got the best of him, and his faith lapsed amid arduous circumstances. Now, much has transpired since that moment in Genesis 12. Abraham and his nephew Lot were forced to separate. When Lot got caught up in a civil war, Abraham showed no contempt for Lot's choice to separate from him, but instead was willing to step into harm's way and take on four different nations with 318 servants to rescue his cousin. He's blessed by the mysterious king of Jerusalem, consequently Melchizedek, and then rejects the temptations of the king of Sodom to give him all the spoils of victory if he will pledge allegiance to Sodom's king. God then confirms the covenant made with Abraham about having a son despite his old age and Satan's infertility. He constructs an elaborate covenant ceremony whereby he agrees under penalty of death to accomplish what he has promised to Abraham. All the while, Abraham is powerless to engage in the ceremony at all, so God obliges himself to do this unconditionally while Abraham sleeps and watches it all happen. He then gives Abraham a sign of this covenant through circumcision as the proper response to God's miraculous covenant promises. Even then, Abraham wonders aloud if the promise might come through Hagar and her son Ishmael. That in itself is another debacle whereby Abraham tries to accomplish God's plans on his own terms. 
Time was running out and Abraham was getting impatient. And God makes clear through this misstep that he intends to bring this child through Sarah's barren womb. It was to be a miracle that only he could accomplish so that no one else could get the credit for this power. Then God comes down himself with two angels to confirm this promise as Sarah scoffs at the preposterous covenant that God is making. God knows her heart and he immediately exposes her unbelief and then tells Abraham that she will conceive in less than a year. Now a lot has happened since the first time Abraham made this mistake in Genesis 12. It's all the more astonishing then to think that Abraham's fear would once again get the best of him here in Genesis chapter 20. On the brink of God's miraculous fulfillment of his covenant promises, Abraham again caves in fear and lies about his wife. We learn that she technically is his half-sister in the story, so there's at least some shred of truth to what he's saying a shred that Abraham and Sarah have learned to use to their advantage in time of weakness and fear. The slight compromise of truth is nonetheless dishonest and reveals Abraham's lack of faith. This man that is supposed to be upheld as an example of following God by faith is himself faltering amid, amid the fear of danger. So when King Abimelech is warned by God of Abraham's mistake, he confronts the patriarch with his dishonesty, to which Abraham replies in verse 11 saying, I thought there is absolutely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Well, at least the first part of that statement is genuine. There is no fear of God in that place, even in the heart of Abraham, as he brazenly ignores God's promises. Despite his covenant, his own personal visit, and his own assurances, Abraham's fear caused him to step into the same mistakes of unbelief despite God's covenant, promises, and faithfulness in his life. Abraham had sinned against Abimelech in allowing him to take Sarah as his wife. He had also sinned against God. But what is so astonishing here is the grace that Abimelech shows him despite his sinful dishonesty. The king allows him to become a citizen, revoking his alien citizenship status, essentially removing the fear that motivated Abraham's mistakes. He was now a citizen of the land by order of the king, and no one could molest or antagonize him. Now, Abraham had no reason to fear. He fully restored Sarah to Abraham, giving him 1,000 pieces of silver. A bride in Hebrew culture would have cost 20 pieces of silver. Yet she was fully redeemed and the king was giving Abraham 10 times more than that. It was way more than Abraham deserved in the face of such honesty. Now, how do we apply this? Well, this is a beautiful picture of grace and forgiveness in the face of such sinful deception. Abraham had literally followed God into the unknown. His descendants would be God's people, and he would be their God. They were God's possession. Abraham had obeyed God by faith, yet even after God had done so much for Abraham, blessing him, giving him great and precious promises, rescuing him from danger, fighting his battles, confirming his covenant, personally communing with him in his own tent, even after all of this, Abraham's fear overtook his faith, and he lapsed into sin. When that sin was exposed, 
and Abraham comes clean. The king, where Abraham is living, offers him grace upon grace upon grace. See, it was God's covenant that preserved Abraham's life. God had made a covenant to Abraham and Sarah, and it was not about to be wrecked by their foolish schemes. Is this not the case in our lives today as well? We are God's covenant people, and he is our God. God has been nothing but faithful to us. Like Abraham, he's called us out of our old lives. He's established a covenant with us. He fights our battles. He blesses us far beyond what we deserve. He rescues us from danger. He enters the tent of our lives and communes with us and confirms his covenant promises to us. Like Abraham, we are a people of faith who live by God's promises. And yet, regrettably, there will be times where our fear overshadows our faith, and we begin to doubt God's promises, even on the brink of God's miraculous timing. We cave and accommodate and compromise the truth. We've learned in our old life, like Abraham, to use that compromise to our advantage. And when we are fearful and our faith falters, we will inevitably get exposed for our lack of confidence. For God will reveal it in us just as he did in Abraham. But the good news is that when we come clean, God, the king of all the earth, including our corner of it, like Abimelech, will display grace and forgiveness despite our clever schemes. Like Abraham, God has made covenant promises to us and he will accomplish them regardless of our foolish ways. His grace extends to us, removing the fear that motivated our stupidity. We no longer have to fear as aliens, for we are full citizens with the rights and privileges of God's kingdom. We have been redeemed with infinitely more than we are deserving, just as Sarah was. God's goodness and grace extends to all those who acknowledge their sin and repent of it. This should cause us to worship. It should cause us to live a life of gratitude and devotion to a God that extends such grace. Let's pray together. Jesus, my King, thank you for such marvelous grace that meets my insecurity and my doubts. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, guard us against caving into fear and lapsing in faith on the brink of the miraculous fulfillment of your covenant promises. Help us, Lord, to be the to never be the prophet that you regrettably have to acknowledge or are shamed by because of our dishonesty or our compromise. And help us to trust you that you will continue to extend grace as we continue to repent. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.